Hey, it's Kimberly, host of the Start Me Up podcast. If you like your politics with some loose talk and salty language, you're going to love my show. I interview the coolest people like Mary Trump, Kathy Griffin, and DNC chair Jamie Harrison. The Start Me Up podcast has an easygoing, casual style and a strong emphasis on left-leaning politics. We also have frank discussions about sex and more than a few spirited rants. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup or wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Muller She Wrote. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. And thanks to Beta Brand for supporting Muller She Wrote. Who says comfy can't be work appropriate? Beta Brand wants you to look good and feel good, even at the office. Go to betabrand.com ag and get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants today. And thanks to Figs for supporting Muller She Wrote. Figs is an amazing company that makes stylish and functional scrubs for the people who deserve it most. Figs is offering you 15% off your first purchase by using our code AG at wearfigs.com. Hey all, this is Glenn Kirshner, and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Guys, how are you doing? (laughs) I am not Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine. Um, Somebody pointed that out to me. It's really a funny story, too. Uh, One of our patrons was like, I pick out doppelgangers all the time. You you look like Florence Welch from Florence and the Machine. And here's what happened. I used to be blonde, okay? Because I was trying to, it was easier with the gray. (laughs) And... uh, I got into an Uber, and the Uber driver looked at me in the rearview mirror and thought I was Florence Welch. So I cut bangs and dyed my hair red, so. (laughs) I was like, let's do this. If we're gonna do it, let's do it all the way. I love Chicago. I'm so glad to be here right now. I haven't been to Chicago since I was in the Navy. Um, in, In 1995. I got here in February. (laughs) It was 45 below with the wind chill. It was polar vortex year, I think. Uh, First one, I'm sure many more to come. But uh, I absolutely love this town. It's, uh, I'm from the Midwest, I'm from Akron, Ohio. (laughs) Ow, ow, sorry, yeah. (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah, oh wait. it's Akron. Um, 
<laughs> I do love it there, but I love the Midwest. I love the people in the Midwest. And But you, here we have Chicago. We have this big city, but it's like a small town. It feels like a small town to me. It feels like the Midwestern love is here, and, and I just absolutely love the work ethic. You guys are seriously, honestly, I was... When I got here and there was a festival outside, I was like, what is this? <laughs> and uh, you guys immediately cheered me up. I am in the best mood ever. So how about that Mueller testimony? woo <laughs> Supposed to be last week. They delayed it a week so everybody could get their five minutes. Their clean, tight five, as we call in the comedy industry. Uh, but I thought it went extremely well, and we've got um, former U.S. Attorney host of On Topic, Renato Mariotti, is here tonight uh, to give us his views on that as well, because I thought it was outstanding. Um, I, I am 100%. It, it was exactly how we thought it would go, and I think that hopefully you guys listened to the podcast. You were, you were prepared for what to expect, and so you know I thought it was absolutely perfect, and I thought that... Hakeem Jeffries and Ted Liu did an amazing job uh, questioning, um, did what I wanted them to do, um, which was, you know, break down the three parts of, of what constitutes obstruction of justice. It, would that be a crime? Yes, okay. Uh, you didn't indict because of the OLC, right? And then he had to come back later and say, I mean, what I meant was, uh, <laughs> we know what you meant, buddy. <laughs> it's cool, yeah. <laughs> But then uh, I thought what was great was uh, Ken Buck, uh, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. Surprise the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> what? Wait. Oh, shit. I, I, that guy probably got a stern talking to. Um, so it was better than I expected, and I'm, I'm glad he did it. But guys, uh, it's not just me. Uh, it's all of you. And also, I want to bring out, uh, because, you know, I'm AG, but with me as always, are Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Oh yeah. Nice. I like that music. That was that was smooth, yeah. <laughs> smooth jazz. Yeah. I'm not wearing a MAGA hat, guys. For those on the balcony, yeah, I don't to know how good your vision. You have to <laughs> show everybody what it says. It says, get America high again, okay? <laughs> right? Yes, totally different message. Yeah, y'all just passed that, right? Yeah. yeah. Hell good yeah. job. <laughs> what it's is, smoking what is in happening? Here. You see it in the light, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a face down here like. <laughs> <laughs> I know I the know. feeling, yes. Yes. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, some people in here probably even worked on that campaign. So Ooh, round of applause. Oh, yeah. Yes. Not to yes. call anyone out, but yeah. yeah. Totally. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the person who blew the smoke up in the air. Who knows? Yeah. Oh. It could have been. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We have no real idea. Could be Kevin, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, Kevin. It's an How inside you joke. You have to know Kevin, I guess. Yeah. Who's are we booing Kevin doing? or are we booing weed? Moo, we're mooing. <laughs> I didn't think of an option C. Yeah. Is Nunez here? Yeah, I was gonna say it's <laughs> It's relevant, yeah. You know that guy did went cow tipping <laughs> when he was a kid. That was a thing in Akron. Is that a thing here? Do you guys go cow tipping? Sounds violent. <laughs> 
<laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. Do you tip the cow literally? Yeah, the cow sleeps, you just tip the cow. That's rude. No, you it, just it, give him like, you give him $2 and then you go on with your day. That's, okay. that's um, what. Capitalism, right? <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. That's what that is. I was at a restaurant. They you were do doing good some things, Cal. They Thank were doing you. some promotion mm -hmm. at a restaurant where they would have to have cops come in and serve you. And so they had this thing, tip a cop. And uh, I cop pictured tipping. pushing them over when they were. <laughs> yeah, I could not get away asleep. with that, AG. <laughs> we're going cop tipping. You got to do it for me. <laughs> Push two of them over. No, blue lives matter. <laughs> Technically, Moo lives matter. Moo lives, Moo lives matter. matter. Very like cute. It. Very <laughs> cute. Yes, I like that. Happy ending. Happy cows. Come no from cows California. were abused in the making <laughs> yeah. of this bit. Yeah. We got no respect for cows coming out <laughs> yeah, of San Diego. Yeah, respect the cows, respect yeah. the police. It's a whole different show. This uh, is, yeah, this is devolved quickly. All I think right. we should start a hashtag, Moo Lives Matter. I Moo like Lives it. Matter? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Devin you can make anything cow. trend now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty technically. It's, it's not hard. It's not hard. Uh, guys, so we have a great show planned for you. Uh, we've got our corrections segment. We've got uh, just a facts. We're going to turn that into a quiz show. I uh, you know. Uh, we totally stole our set from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> don't tell them. Um, <laughs> wait, nice. wait, don't tell them. And then, of course, we have the interview with the host of On Topic. Renato Mariotti is here with us. Yeah. But first, to complete our panel tonight, please welcome, you know her as our Patreon member, director, and subscriber manager, comedian, and all-around incredible human being. Please welcome Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. jam hi sarah how are you hey i'm great how are you i'm well thank oh, you good uh good. everyone hey. here has put me in the best mood you guys are seriously the best people mm -hmm. uh ever Aww. and every venue we go to right they all the venues that we've gone to they're like your fans are yeah. by far the nicest mm -hmm. most awesome best tipping sweetheart <laughs> smart people that i would ever want to wait on so thank you for being rad and let's let's hear it for lincoln hall for putting this together for us <laughs> The staff here is incredible. Everyone's just been so kind, and you guys are just like the icing on the cake. And I, I know that you guys are always like, thank you for what you do, but thank you for listening, mm -hmm. because you are our therapy as well. So if you weren't here, it'd be w we'd, this would be a really weird <laughs> thing. So uh, thank, you for, thank you for being here. Uh, so guys, everyone, uh, let's kick off the show with my favorite new segment, which isn't really new anymore. Corrections. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I keep changing that one. I can't tell <laughs> if I if I want uh, Jane and Calamity Jane in there or not. Um, do you like her? Oh. Do you like her? All right, we'll keep. That's she's the best part of that whole cocksucking show. <laughs> She is. If you haven't seen Deadwood, you should watch it. It's great. Uh, all right, so corrections. I recently said during the premiere episode of our new podcast, The Daily Beans, that, uh, thank you, that Trump uh, filed to run for re-election the day after he was inaugurated. Uh, he actually filed the day of his inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we assume he did that so that any event he held at his own properties would be considered a campaign event, making it legal to pay for with donations. So... 
I don't think anyone here donated any money to the Trump campaign. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of people out there who did suckers. Uh, and from last Sunday's main episode of Mueller, she wrote, uh, Jeffrey Epstein is not a pedophile that we know of. Okay. Pedophilia is a term reserved for prepubescent individuals, whereas I think febophilia is for late teens and hebophilia is reserved for earlier pubescent hmm. individuals. If you're making that distinction, you've probably already lost. Yeah. <laughs> That's Either way, it's I wish still gross. Yeah, those words shouldn't yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah. Still Bad gross. words. Still yeah. gross. Yeah, if you have to Google that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, terrible, terrible human being. I hope he rots in jail. Um, and apparently, uh, we got news uh, that it was a suicide attempt. They put him on suicide watch. Wow. So... How do you confirm that? Is, was, you? was it his word? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, Jeffrey said so. Yeah, I mean... So there you go. It sucks, but I'm suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think about all the wealthy people who don't want him on the planet right now, um, it's got to be... I mean, th and these are the richest people in the world, right? The most powerful, influential people in the world, like dark web type people. But um, horrible, horrible human being. And he's in jail. Good. Uh, we got an email about my utilization of the quote, don't fuck with me, fellas. Uh, because I lumped it into my attribution of the show Dynasty. Uh, you know, if I do not get, uh, get that approval, and please understand that I have controlling interest in Denver Carrington, I shall fire you on the spot and replace you with a board that will approve of the merger. Okay, so that's uh, obviously from the show Dynasty. I also know it from the movie Big Business, okay, with Lily Tomlin, Bette Midler, anyone? <laughs> Excellent. Okay, okay. <laughs> but as I'm sure you know, don't fuck with me, fellas, is Mommy Dearest. Really? Yeah. So there's that. I wouldn't have guessed in that movie. I've never seen it, but Mommy yeah, I don't know anything she's talking about at all romp. right now. <laughs> Who says <laughs> it? <laughs> does the little girl say that? Uh, no, she does. Oh. Mommy Dearest says it. Okay, okay, that'd be baller. Miss Joan Crawford. Yeah. It is a feel-good <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get high and watch it. <laughs> uh, don't do that. Uh, the last name of the governor of Puerto Rico is Roseo, not Rosayo, and he is now the former governor of Puerto Rico. Hey. Whip That's what all my Puerto Rican fans in here. Whip That's what Puerto Ricans say. Nice. <laughs> Sounds like Opa a little bit. It's cute. I like, I like that. Yeah. It makes me feel the same. Happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Jordan, you were saying that you listened to that sound clip, I think it was on uh, 1A or something like that, when they found out? Yeah, it was incredible. It was like the moment that protesters were protesting and switched over f to celebrating immediately. And it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. It was like chilling in the best way. If I could, I can't find it anywhere though, but I'll try to find it and I'll put it in our newsletter or something. It was great. It was, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I, I, I think we called that episode Justice Envy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so, and, uh, and Trump probably still thinks it's not got anything to do with America or him. Um, uh, <laughs> it's one of the other three Mexicos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, those are corrections. If you have any corrections for us, please visit MullerSheWrote.com, click Contact, and select Corrections. Our motto is, we'll get it right eventually. <laughs> This episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators who believe in the idea that we never stop learning. 
Skillshare has more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, and you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. So you can take classes in social media marketing, technology, mobile photography, creative writing, or even calligraphy, which I think I'm going to check out because I've always wanted to learn how to do that. So whether you're looking to start a side hustle in the gig economy or gain new skills to help you with current projects, Skillshare is there for your lifelong learning and continuing education goals. I recently took a class on small business taxes so that I can participate in the discussions with my accountant and I'm armed with more knowledge about my own business finances. I'm also eyeing a video editing class. I want to take that so I can make and edit short videos and updates for our listeners. Join the millions of creators already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right, Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com AG. Again, that's Skillshare.com AG to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com AG. You'll be glad you did. And now we have turned just the facts into a quiz show. Panel, are you ready? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take my thinking cap off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have that because when we used to do this quiz early on, like when we started doing live shows here and there, like maybe a year, year and a half ago, uh, mm -hmm. I think our first show was at um, the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. We would, if you got a question wrong, I'd make you wear a MAGA hat. <laughs> but now it's just so gross. It to me, it's like the equivalent of a KKK hood to me now, and I can't in good conscience do it, so now we have the Get America High Again hat, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Uh, nice. Jaleesa. Mm, yes. First question's for you. Robert Swan Muller III testified before Congress this week for five hours, seven, uh, about <laughs> his findings. What two committees questioned him? Um, the Judiciary and the Intelligence. Yes. And for anyone who thinks that the Mueller testimony didn't matter, or it f bombed or fell flat or whatever, this is from the vice chair of the House Judiciary Committee, wrote this. Mueller's testimony before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees was a watershed moment. At this point, it is up to Congress to act on the evidence of multiple counts of obstruction of justice committed by the president and to continue our investigations into whether he has committed other high crimes and misdemeanors. Despite assertions to the contrary by the president and his allies that special counsel's report and testimony are not the end of our investigations. We have now filed a petition in court to obtain the grand jury documents referenced in the special counsel's report. In that filing, we have made it clear we will utilize our Article I powers to obtain the additional underlying evidence as well as enforce subpoenas for key witness testimony and broaden our investigations to include conflicts of interest and financial misconduct. Yep. Uh, did you say what they stated the purpose of that was? Yes. While many people believe that the beginning of an impeachment investigation can only start with a vote in the full House representatives, uh, of representatives, this is not true. Article I authorizes the House Judiciary to Committee to begin this process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so in layman's terms, impeach the motherfucker, right? That's basically... This is a lot of words, but <laughs> I like how you guys like slowly were like, yeah, yeah. Like, they spend a lot of time not saying the word impeach. They do. It's very strange. I found that out. And it was yeah. funny. The floor is lava, but the word is impeach. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. I'm drowning. Um, 
They've gotten uh, on board with saying racist, though, explicitly, mm-hmm. which is good that they're saying progress. that now. It is yeah. progress. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi is just saying it flippantly now. Not flippantly. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> because initially it, it was a whole thing for her to have to defend why she was saying it in the first place. And then because Trump is such a piece of shit, here we are again. And she's just saying it this time with no pushback because it's true. So yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was something about the house rules of decorum uh, that had to do with that. Uh, she couldn't call somebody uh, racist, so she's like, all right, fine, his words are racist. He's racist. <laughs> uh, and that was weird, because that the, the parliamentary guy who was in charge of you know uh, striking it for the record was like, fuck this, drop the gavel. He's like, I'm out, I'm not going to do that. And, and it, was, it was a really interesting scene. Uh, chaos on the house floor. <laughs> <laughs> I think they... they uh, they have a weird idea of chaos. One day there'll be a reality show on C-SPAN. I know it. It's just going to be so <laughs> oh no, weird oh mtv no. Yeah, it's going to be like yeah. Real Housewives. Oh, oh totally, yeah. Real oh. lawmakers or congressmen yeah. of Virginia. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Just that's Someone needs to whip, rip off a weave, though. Like oh. a toupee. Oh, I, I yeah, need yeah. to see that. I need to see that. Yo, C-SPAN raps. <laughs> yeah. I would watch it. Uh, Headbangers Ball is my favorite. Uh, under 120 minutes, actually. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hot flashes. Uh, that's how old I am. Jordan, under the federal rules of criminal procedure, what rule governs the secrecy of grand jury proceedings and when uh, grand jury materials can be disclosed? Rule 6E, and I don't know the rest. That's okay. 6E is good. <laughs> More than I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's specifically 6E3EI, uh, or one, little Roman numeral one, underpants one. Uh, under exceptions, the court may authorize disclosure at a time, in a manner, and subject to any other conditions that it directs of grand jury matter preliminarily or to, uh, to preliminarily to or in connection with a judicial proceeding. Uh, that is important because Jerry Nadler, as we know, chair of the House Judiciary, who's responsible for impeachment, is seeking the Mueller grand jury materials, as we just discussed, as part of its investigation into whether or not to recommend articles of impeachment. So whether you call it an impeachment inquiry or whether you call it preliminarily to, it is still a judicial proceeding. Uh, I personally think it's an impeachment inquiry, but there's a lot of factors to consider. We have a legal expert here to help us. Renata will be out later, so. My feelings, I feel like it's impeachment, but um, (laughs) feelings aren't always the law. They seem so happy during that press conference where people were asking them, is this that? They were like giddily trying to like, <laughs> almost. I loved when Jerry Nather, they were like, oh, is this impeachment? And he's all, essentially, you know. <laughs> yeah. In effect. Right. Yeah, it is fucking essential. It's fucking, <laughs> yeah. And Raskin mm-hmm. was like, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, it's that. Um, Next question. Uh, yes. Uh, so, mm, and you know they did that whole vote on the House floor to circumvent the full House vote, so they don't even have to do that anymore. So we'll see. We'll ask Renato. He has. Uh, he knows exactly. I can guarantee he knows exactly what's going on with this. So it's going to be great. Sarah, <coughs> what yes. senator blocked four bipartisan election security bills this week, despite testimony from Mueller? And FBI Director Christopher Wray's warnings that the Russians are hacking uh, (laughs) us to interfere with our election as we speak. Wait, is that that a Chicago thing? The hissing? It's like a Slytherin (laughs) thing. I like that. I like that. Yeah, Team Slytherin. Am I in San Francisco right now? (laughs) 
They do that. They do that there. That Any user taught me that. The, the answer, I feel like I'm on Jeopardy. The yeah, answer yeah. is, oh, how did this, how did, uh, who is Mitch for McConnell? 200. Oh, yes. for 400. Correct. It who is the fuck is Mitch McConnell? That's a really good question, Sarah. I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up. Who, who is Mitch McConnell? Who is Turtle Dick Mitch? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Who are you really? <laughs> yes, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell continues to block bipartisan, bipartisan election security bills, calling them a product of a witch hunt and a hoax and a conspiracy theory, but... Russian election interference is not a hoax. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's as far back as January 2017. Remember when the intel community um, put out that report saying Russia hacked our elections in favor of Trump? Um, and then there's c the continual evidence being put forth. Uh, and now Robert Mueller's report, uh, the whole entire volume one, and his testimony, and the indictments of Russians. Um, we haven't, and he also testified that we haven't done nearly enough to stop the Russians. Uh, and he said, I believe they're attacking us as we sit here. Um, and to Trump's FBI director, Ray, testifying this week that we are under attack and the 2020 elections are vulnerable and that Russians are attempting to diminish, uh, diminish our faith in our own election process. And now the Senate Intel Committee, headed by a Republican, uh, has put out a 67-page heavily redacted report uh, showing we are being infiltrated as we speak, yet this administration and Mitch McConnell do nothing. So, And, it, you know, could it have to do with that zillion-dollar aluminum plant deal in Mitch's home state of Kentucky? In cooperation with Oleg <laughs> Deripaska, who doesn't want us to call him an oligarch anymore. Yeah. Kentucky Fried Chicken Shit. That's what we call him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense to Kentuckians. And chicken. I love Kentucky. chicken. <laughs> Maybe it's a $7.25 million Mitch took from uh, Russians. Yeah, uh, who's looking into that? Or at least when? I hope. Uh, I know Crew is looking into it, but uh, you know, I, th I would mm -hmm. hope, I would like to think that the Senate Intel Committee was looking into that. We'll see. Priorities, sadly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or it's just, you know, Trump's thin skin when it comes to the legitimacy of his penis. Um, <laughs> Illegitimate penis would be a great, like, porn <laughs> title. I can see that, yeah. Legitimate penis. <laughs> you need to write a rap about that. Yeah, something <laughs> needs to happen. I can flow. I can do it. <laughs> I know you can. Jaleesa, Michael Flynn's ex-lobbying partner, was found guilty this week and convicted of failing to register as a foreign agent and lying about it. What is his name? Oh, um, Sydney, I've got the Powell. Nope, that's his lawyer. <laughs> oh, okay. That's my favorite nickname for him, though. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not Flynn himself, No, right? who's the guy who just went on trial and was found guilty of lobbying for Turkey with Flynn? Oh, um, you said you I know this. We have I appreciate your We have a friend who's a comedian <laughs> that has the same it's first name head. as him. The same first name as? As this guy. As this. We have a big, giant comedian friend. Yes. Who, and he had just had a baby, and he has the same first name as this guy. Okay. Oh. Who's having babies? Oh, oh, Bijan. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I wish I knew his last name, but it's so hard to pronounce. It's Bijan Kian. You got it. You got it. Bijan Kian. That's all I need? It's longer than that, right? You got it. Yeah, because his real name is Rafikian. But I'll take it. Wait, yeah, you. wait, what is the story behind why it is known as Keon? I think it, he just changed it for uh, vanity purposes, I'm, oh. I'm guessing. Yeah, it's just a stage name. Is Essentially. Raf is Rafikian the, the monkey in Lion King? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Someone's very ready for that. Nice, Rafiki. Nice. Yes. Rafiki. <laughs> Bijan Rafiki. <laughs> it is tight. Changes the whole story for me. <laughs> Played by Robert Guillaume, the actor who brought us Benson. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, it, it, this is it, he because Flynn was going to be a cooperating witness in that case, in that trial, right, with the Bijan Keon trial. And it was funny because Bijan asked for it to be pushed back till the fall because his daughter was getting married in August, and so the, the judge pushed it up to July. <laughs> <laughs> sure, pal. Nice. And he's like, but I'm guilty. <laughs> Got to be after her. I won't be able to go. <laughs> That'd be great if that's how they got the confession. Um, <laughs> but they only deliberated, jury deliberated for four hours. That's super fast for any jury. And they came right back and said, uh, yeah, he's guilty AF. And then, but the judge had indicated, I think before the, the jury deliberated, that he was considering dismissing the charges. Um, so we'll see if that, if they're able to, because he didn't think that he'd be, they'd be able to sustain the conviction uh, upon appeal. So we'll see how it goes. I think that this is going to be kind of like a, like a litmus test as to whether or not they're going to bring charges against Flynn for the exact same thing. Because Flynn crimed with Keon, uh, and Flynn was forgiven for that crime uh, so that he, because he was cooperating. <laughs> <laughs> not so much, as it turns out. Um, and I remember, and Sidney Powell, who you're talking about, his lawyer, she's yeah, yeah. a nutcase. Sidney, um, I've got the power. He's got to say the whole thing. It's like, <laughs> it's useless <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> But yes, because, and, and, and you're so right to bring her up because she is pretty much the one who I think is talking Flynn out of being a cooperating witness. Mm -hmm. And she's an anti-Muller, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist. She's been telling, you know, Flynn should give up his, you know, withdraw his plea and get a pardon. Trump should pardon him. Just pile of shit, yeah, that lady. Yeah, I feel, that's like such a dumb decision. It must have only been motivated by some immense sense of confidence that's come from something sketchy, right? Mm -hmm. Sketch. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. why? <laughs> yes, or not. Definitely, definitely sketch. sketch. <laughs> yeah. She's got like anti-Muller t-shirts on her website. Yeah, at, uh, creeps uh, on a mission. Creeps on a mission, yeah. So dumb, Gross. too, right? Not even creative. Very self-aware, yeah. It doesn't even <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> funny yeah what is it uh if you think he broke the law it's time to play sketch or not yeah totally sketch <laughs> gotta get that on a loop so mm. now he's a co-conspirator he's no longer a cooperating witness and i i do if they're able to maintain this uh, conviction i would think that prosecutors would go after flynn but he's also still has to be sentenced by sullivan who didn't like his face in the first place <laughs> And was like, yeah, he's like, you fucked with my flag. I fucking hate your face. Anybody, you know, and look into treason on this fucker. Uh, and and he, and he had to walk that back like, oh, <laughs> didn't mean to say the T word, you know. Do you know, AJ, do you know if the jury decision was unanimous? Yeah, it has to be. Uh, yeah, in order to get a conviction, they all have to be uh, unanimous. Okay, so isn't there like something to be said for the fact, just in regards to the judges, maybe you know, hesitancy about if it's going to hold up an appeal? It's like the whole fucking jury. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think. I think maybe um, because they deliberated for such a short amount of time and they convicted him, that I, I don't see an appeal on the merits. I just don't see it. Um, but you know, that this judge had, had doubts. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I remember you asking me, like, what the fuck is a jury for if you're going <laughs> to come back and just take the charges away? But part of the criminal federal law says you have to be able to obtain and maintain uh, a conviction. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But like I said, I think it's a litmus test. We could see Flynn be brought up on additional charges. Unless Sullivan's like, yeah, yeah, put him on your fantasy indictment league. Unless Sullivan's like, no, nah, I'm putting him away for a long time. I'm not listening to your zero... Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who got off the hook, I'm sure, because Flynn was cooperating. So you're right. We could you put his son on mm -hmm. the those like, oh, oh, you're not cooperating anymore? All right, so kiss your <laughs> stupid kid goodbye. Yeah. yeah, Trump would not do that. For uh, we're going to separate that family and put the child in a cage. Oh. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey. I think that's my favorite joke you've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is the only time you're allowed to clap for that shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's when it's Flynn's family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy, too. Yeah. <laughs> I hate them all. Uh, Jordan, can you name the Republican representative from Colorado who asked Mueller if he could indict the president for obstruction of justice after he leaves office? Uh, Ken Buck. Yes. Yeah. Buck is fucked. Um, <laughs> he got the surprise of his life, boy, when he asked if Mueller could indict the president after leaving office, and Mueller was like, yes. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows that at this point. And then he Like, how did he not know that? And then he reworded it. So you're saying he committed, uh, so you're saying uh, you could charge the president with obstruction of justice after he leaves office. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was amazing. He was quick. Yeah. Was, that was the quickest he'd been the whole hearing. Yes. <laughs> yep. True. True. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. That's true. Yes. He should have mic dropped that afterwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like attached to the podium, so you gotta slap or it down. Or do that thing yeah. that when they when the fucking Republicans are mad and they just like push their little squeaky microphone away, <laughs> like, and like mm -hmm. yeah. 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 assholes. Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about the optics of uh, the optics of the Mueller. Uh, uh, testimony when uh, Renato comes out. He put out a great piece that Mueller did an awesome job, and I think he did too. So, mm -hmm. uh, so woo! <laughs> Sarah. Yes. The House Judiciary is calling back a witness to clarify her testimony in light of a slew of unsealed documents in the Cohen case that show she was indeed present during the conversations between Trump and Cohen about the hush money payments. What witness are we talking about? I will take lies for 800. <laughs> Who is Hope Hicks? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hope Hicks. You're gonna have to come back and test him anymore. <laughs> Hope Hicks is being called back to the judiciary because a few weeks ago during her half-assed shitty testimony, she told Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee that she was not present during the discussions about the hush money payments between Cohen Trump and Trump org executives and inquirer executives. However, this week, a judge unsealed the Cohen warrants <laughs> as if to say, oh, really, bitch? <laughs> yes. Maybe she meant, like, not mentally present, right? Mm -hmm. I can believe that. <laughs> I feel like I'm shaming people who talk like that. Because she's just such a cunt. Um, <laughs> So he unsealed <laughs> these, these Cohen warrants, which indicate that the, uh, there are records of her being very involved in those conversations. During her testimony, uh, she exerted absolute immunity uh, about her time in the White House and during the transition. Trump is really protective about that transition time. Uh, I find that really, really interesting and very telling. Uh, and and, that, and that's not a real immunity, by the way. Just it's like a superpower. Absolute <laughs> immunity. 
Uh, because when you get, you know, when you see a community like that, executive immunity has to be like if you're talking to the president about policy, it's got to be specific instances where you can seek immunity for specific things. You can't just blanket immunity it up and, saying, yeah, I didn't, didn't say it, I can't tell you. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're asking you. <laughs> oh, oh, we do know. <laughs> Pesky <Which> records. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Pesky she truths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course we know that you you know you the hush money payment discussions occurred during the campaign and they aren't covered by any sort of privilege because they occurred during uh, in the commission of a crime, okay? Cohen's in jail for it. It's a crime and you can't there's a crime fraud exception. No privilege immunizes you from criminal activity except maybe white privilege. Um hey. So maybe she should just claim that. <laughs> hey. Guys, that is how we play. Just the facts. Woo. And we're not going to do the sound again. And now, are you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Oh. Yeah. I want to be indicted. No, wait, it's going to be a Indicted. Kind of dick. No. Indicted. Okay. Indicted. 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 Covety about their stuff. Yeah, they um, have concussions to litigate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bigger fish to fry. <laughs> yeah. We asked Renato to represent us in a <laughs> in that case. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so this week I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go ahead and kick this off, and I'll, I'll put us here: A.G. Uh, Julissa Johnson, Jordan Coburn. Uh, I'm gonna go with Nader uh, because I've heard I've heard tell. Uh, <laughs> that it wasn't just in 2014 that he transported a 14-year-old boy from Europe. There's another look case they're looking into in 2009 where he did the same thing. Uh, so I think George Nader is going to be facing a, another superseding indictment for child trafficking and um, all that gross stuff. So I'm going to go with Nader. Uh, Julissa, who do you got? Um, based on the new documentary, I'm going with Brittany Kaiser. I think that's going to blow up. Yeah. It's called The Hack, right? is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Jordan? Sorry, I had a beer burp. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, um, on the disgusting pedophile slash febophile? What did you say it was called? Uh, a febophile and hebophile. Okay, hmm. well, anyway. On his that train of yeah, delight. Yeah, the worst train ever. His, uh, his attorney. Alan Dershowitz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mr. I kept my underwear on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mr. I left my underwear on and I've had the perfect sex life. <laughs> yeah. Fucking gross. I'd rather watch my parents fuck, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> my parents are good looking people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who, who's that Igor guy? Remember? That we Igor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's two Igors. Yeah, there's, there's Epstein's not the driver, driver. Epstein, but the there's other Igor. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> Igor's session? No, it's not, it's not him. It's like one of the two partners of Epstein or something like that. Oh, he is Epstein related, I, but not the driver? I think so. There's a I'm lot of Igors in your circle. You know what? I'm just going to put Igor. Yeah, we'll get around. <laughs> 
Could be Sachin. Could be yeah. that dude. Could There's be the driver for Epstein. I'm just going to put on Igor. Sounds mm-hmm. good. There's a Dr. Igor Epstein who's a psychiatrist in Albany, New York, I found. With, uh, oh, wow, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> he probably needs to talk to somebody right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, put him on my list. <laughs> All right, Julissa. Um, Alexander Nix. Nix. Yes. Uh, Jordan. <laughs> Tom Barrick. Dick. I'm keeping him on forever. Keep it alive. <laughs> Keep it alive. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, we'll put Flynn on here. Mm-hmm. I, it's early, but I'm excited. <laughs> um, I'll do Trump org. So what is happening with that? I'm guessing that they're looking for documents now. That's well, the it's last just, I heard. I mean, it's essentially like kind of fizzled out, right, for now. But is that like a mens rea issue or something? Or I don't know, but they're investigating it. Um, so basically, the Southern District of New York was looking into the Trump org's handling of the hush money payments when Cohen showed him the check signed by uh, Weisselberg. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And um, who was given partial immunity and Trump Jr. and Trump. And it, I honestly think that they probably found wrongdoing, but because of the OLC memo that says you can't indict a sitting president and Southern District of New York falls under that, uh, you know, um, under that memo, you have to abide by that. It's a a bar joint. And I think they they, they couldn't indict Trump. What's up with Junior? I don't know, but uh, I do know that they're investigating it now in in Congress. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we'll put Trump Oregon here for sure. Okay, I'm going to do Trump inaugural. (laughs) <laughs> I'm selecting Pecker. Oh. Um, no one picked Junior yet, right? Nope. Well, put him on there. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I keep skating. I don't. F- <laughs> I don't get it. Even in the Mueller, like Part One, Volume One, I was like Part One. <laughs> uh, I I don't understand how they couldn't assign value to the dirt on Hillary and how he was too stupid to know he was crying. Yeah. I don't That's understand That's offensive it. to Hillary. Her emails are valuable. <laughs> I think. Right? They gotta be worth something. <laughs> uh, apparently a ton. So, <laughs> Jordan? Uh, I'm gonna go Kushner. In my fantasy land. <laughs> That's why it's called the Fantasy <laughs> Indictment League. Yeah. Uh, I am going to select... How about I got Igor? <laughs> Let's That's do. That's a very cute way of saying it. It is Look, Igor. It's right? Igor. Yeah, Igor is adorable. Like that. Igor. Um, I'm gonna go with Keith Davidson. Is that his name? You say Keith, as in. Yeah, he's the guy who get, who set up. We found out through those Cohen documents that it was actually a racket. Remember when I said I conjected? Is that a word? <laughs> that they were working in cahoots to, to to screw these ladies over out of their hush money payments. And then in those documents from the Cohen, uh, it was Pecker, I think, or Dylan Howard, one of the guys from AMI in the Inquirer, who was given that non-prosecution agreement in this deal, um, which they broke by blackmailing people and they should be any any day now indicted but that Keith guy was the lawyer for Stormy Daniels and, and Karen McDougal and he introduced him to Cohen and said hey here's a business opportunity you two and so uh, I thank him cool mm-hmm. hell yeah um I will go with a rando rando yeah we need a rando 
I was also going to pick a rando with the caveat question. Since, as per Mueller and anyone that's paying attention at all, interference is still going on, if this investigation continues, at least in some respect, even though it's not technically under Mueller, do we still get points? Rambo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Absolutely. More, more Russians. I'll even make it more specific. Oh. Rando Russian. Nice. That's going to be. Nice. <laughs> another Igor. Put me down for another Igor. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think, Jordan. I feel like Rando Russian is just uh. Igor at this point. We <laughs> <laughs> just call them Igors. All right, guys, that's how we play the Fantasy Indictment League. Thank you so much. Muller, she wrote, would like to thank Beta Brand for making the most amazing pair of pants ever. We're on the road right now, and we travel a lot, and the Beta Brand dress pant yoga pants are comfortable. They travel and pack brilliantly, and they're professional-looking, so I can talk to former U.S. attorneys and FBI agents without wearing actual yoga pants, but feeling like I am. Beta Brand not only looks amazing, but they're so comfortable. They're ultra, ultra soft. They come in different styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, and cropped. And while usually all my clothes are all black, they do come in all kinds of colors, including your standards like navy, gray, black, and khaki. And they also have seasonal and limited edition colors, and they release those monthly, and they're always selling out. They're fantastic. These pants are made of super soft, breathable, four-way stretch knit fabric. They're tagless, which is important to me. They're wrinkle-resistant, and they have incredible details like real belt loops, pockets, front buttons, and faux zippers. We all know how we feel about pockets. Uh, I used to buy all my suiting from the standard places, and without fail, I would be sitting at work or in a meeting or talking to someone, and the pants would be pinging me, or they'd be uncomfortable, they wouldn't be breathing. And that's why I replaced them all with Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants. And now I'm incredibly comfy and stretchy all day. I sit on my balance ball I use as an office chair, and I can move and, and maintain comfortableness, and I absolutely love them. So I can't say enough amazing things about these pants. So head to betabrand.com ag, all lowercase, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash ag, all lowercase to get 20% off yours today. That's betabrand.com slash AG for 20% off the most comfortable pants you'll ever own. And now it's time for our interview and discussion on impeachment and optics of the Mueller testimony. Please welcome former U.S. attorney, host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. I just want you guys to know, uh, all of our interviews pick their own walk-up music, so there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they I, don't uh, pick their chairs, though. That was, uh, I fought the <laughs> no kidding. I fought, no kidding. <laughs> I fought the law and the law won. Uh, Asha Rangappa did Somebody's Watching Me. <laughs> uh, Richard Painter had Policy of Truth. Mm. <laughs> Appropriate. He was so great. Just impeach him. <laughs> Love that guy. Anyway, hello, Renato. How are you? How's it going? I'm doing well. I have to say, I, it looks like I may have picked up a new client today, so that's a good thing for, oh, yeah. for listening. <laughs> and uh, I, I admire your pick in Fantasy Indictment, Keith Davidson. That's a good one. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I feel like his time is coming. I th- Him and, and he, that Dylan be. Howard fella. I, maybe a bar action before an indictment, though. We'll see. Yeah, and I'm waiting for Matt Gates to be disbarred uh, <laughs> for his Cohen tweet. Um, <laughs> And he's being investigated in a House, House, House Ethics Committee. So they must be real busy these days. <laughs> 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 the, 
the, how the poor house ethics committee just hair on fire every day. <laughs> so this is an extraordinary week, uh, Renato, with the testimony of Robert Mueller, now the court filing from the House Judiciary, asking for the Mueller grand jury materials under the federal criminal rule 6E exception one that states the court may disclose grand jury materials preliminarily to or in connection with a judicial proceeding. So can you explain, first of all, the grand jury secrecy rules and exceptions? Like, why is it so important that we have grand jury secrecy rules? And what are these? why is it important that we have these exceptions? Great. Okay, so I th everyone here probably knows what a grand jury is. In the Constitution, there has to be a group of people uh, that are called a grand jury, a bunch of random citizens who are selected who return an indictment. It's a formalism sometimes, uh, but it is part of our Constitution. Uh, we keep grand jury proceeding secret. That means testimony when there's a witness, the transcript secret. Mm -hmm. uh, not only that, but documents that are obtained via a subpoena. So if uh, Robert Mueller sub subpoenas bank records using a grand jury subpoena, those records are covered by f Federal Rule of Criminal <coughs> Procedure 6E. That you or tax returns. Um, tax returns actually are covered by separate rules. Damn! Uh, so, <laughs> um, but... If we'll get them from Mazars. We'll get them from Mazars. All right. So, <laughs> um, we, but, like I'm there. Like, but if you actually, it's a good point. If you do subpoena them from an accountant, then they're covered by Rule 6A. Mm -hmm. So, good, good catch. So, um, <laughs> in any totally event, an accident. But thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the idea is, the idea is, in part, that you want to protect innocent third parties. Uh, for example, right? You can imagine, in the course of an investigation, you're subpoenaing records from all sorts of people that might um, contain information about them, that might contain information about um, the personal activities even of the people you're investigating, right? So, um, Mr. Kushner, I know you took him in your league, but you know he was investigated, he hasn't been charged, and let's say his financial records or other things shouldn't be necessarily released, um, uh, you know, simply because he was investigated. But uh, this exception uh, that they're requesting all these documents under, Congress would get those documents. Correct. So um, just to be clear, Rule 60 is just a rule. It's a federal rule of criminal procedure. It's something that courts uh, do follow and attorneys do follow. And there are um, penalties for not following 60. It used to be something I had to focus a lot on as a, when I was a federal prosecutor. Um, but you know, the Constitution gives the House the power of impeachment, the sole power of impeachment. And so I will just say personally, um, I think that regardless of an exception, that eventually if this got up to the Supreme Court, it's very hard for me to see how a rule could be used to block um, the results of a criminal investigation of the president from going to the House Judiciary Committee. But thank you. Um, <laughs> But separate and apart from that, particularly when you're dealing with a, a trial-level judge, a district judge, they're going to be looking at precedent. And what was filed yesterday, and I spent quite a bit of time looking through that, uh, the document that was filed by, by the House Judiciary Committee, essentially what they're saying is this fits into that exception because it is in connection with a judicial proceeding, which impeachment is under existing court precedent. Yes, and uh, despite Nadler invoking the word impeachment in his filing, uh, because he didn't say we're impeaching him. He, he said, we need these documents to determine if we're going to exercise our Article One powers of impeachment. Right, it's actually a very clever move that I want everyone to understand, because it's, it's tricky, and I, I think a lot of people have been watching folks on TV try to explain it. I, I watched a little bit of uh, TV news yesterday, and there was 
they're like, you know, they were asking, I think, a Democrat, well, is this, are you being cute? Is there, are you trying to have it both ways? And actually, it's a fairly clever move, right? For weeks, months, we've been w counting how many members of Congress support opening an impeachment inquiry, right? We've heard that for months now, right? And it was an issue, I think, for Democrats because it, it was splitting their caucus. Some people wanted it, some against. They didn't want to appear disunified. What um, Nadler did is he essentially said, actually, if you look at the history of impeachment, we haven't always gone through the formal step and done the votes and done it that way. And what we're doing now is figuring out whether we want to impeach. So it's, we're investigating whether to engage in impeachment. And so he essentially sidestepped the whole issue of the vote and the potential divisiveness of that and said, yeah, we are citing our impeachment power. We need to get the evidence so we can figure out whether we want to impeach. Yep. <clears throat> yes, thank you for uh, clarifying that because it, it is sort of a question. People people will like people like me want to be able to pop a bottle of champagne and say, We're a patient him. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, so I do that eclectic version of a dance inside. Um, <laughs> to quote the birdcage. But uh, I there's this recent McKeever decision everybody's all Whoa, about, which I think doesn't really apply here because that was about inherent powers to hand them over regardless of the rules, I think, or the right. exceptions. But I think that even with these investigations, committees of that committee investigations, even if they're not actual impeachment hearings yet or they didn't have the House vote resolution to make it an impeachment, some people think that's what considers to make you making something an official impeachment inquiry. Even though they don't have that, I feel like it still meets the 6E exception because it's preliminarily to a judicial proceeding. And I, I feel like they'll get these documents, but you had brought up an excellent point uh, when I saw you uh, on TV uh, last night and today talking about what happens if the court decides that it doesn't fall under the Rule 60 exceptions, and what do we, what do, we do then? So, uh, what I agree with you, by the way, and I think Nadler in, in the filing does a very good job of explaining how this is in connection with a judicial proceeding, so I think they probably will get it, but let's say they don't. Let's say the court comes back and says, um, you need to formally open an impeachment inquiry. Uh, then I think it's a great it's great for Nadler, right? Because now Nadler can wave that sheet of paper to Nancy Pelosi and give everyone an excuse to vote. And the vote is we need to do this because the court told us that we have to do it to get the documents. So Trump forced us to do it, and I think that's likely the uh, alternative. And it gives Nancy the out, and it gives the out to the the purple. Uh, district Democrats who are otherwise feeling a little freaky about using the I word. I think it gives, like, the court said we had to, you know, and they can go back to their constituents and I think it keeps everybody happy and uh, mm -hmm. it is particularly clever and ingenious and it gives me like a justice boner. So I'm really <laughs> excited <laughs> about How the way that, that he's take? handling this. Huh? How long would that process take, you think? You know, um, so I, I know a little bit about sort of the estimates that, that, that internally some of the members and staff have. And what I heard was that, I mean, they're hoping they're also going to file something to get McGahn's testimony. That's the next plan. And they think that their hope is that they'll be able to do that shortly after their recess, mm -hmm. which is September. Yeah, because uh, the courts do this in an expedited fashion in these particular kinds of cases. Is that correct? That's right. Now, I will say that's it, their and hope. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's Judge Beryl Howell that is being petitioned for this for these or is that is it her court okay now you I don't remember okay. so okay you're, you're asking me something I don't know which is uh, I'm sorry about that but I will say that 
that's their hope. It's not necessarily what will happen. I want to give it one thing I just want to say to everybody is there's a lot of folks out there, and I see it on Twitter all the time, and occasionally I see it on television, who are like, oh, the Democrats aren't doing anything, and, you know, screw them, and they're not really trying hard. I really think what Nadler, Nadler really wants to impeach, and I think he's trying to figure out how to set himself up to do that legally in a way that makes sense, and that's what they've done here. So you have a little bit of patience if the court takes a little longer than that. Justice takes a minute. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how the ha they, they passed they passed that thing that allowed them to be able to go directly to the courts, essentially, and then the, the potential of the courts just pushing it back and making them have an actual full vote on it, right? It's like a tit-for-tat sort of thing in this yeah, throughout this all, which, which uh, unfortunately equates to more time, right, like mm -hmm. you were saying, but the solid foundation of it is what's most important, I think. I think, right, it's also for Democrats, I mean, just speaking to members uh, about this, I mean, what I have been hearing from certain members of Congress is that there are there's a block of votes in Congress that does not want to vote for impeachment, period, because they were voted in red districts or purple districts or they just think that they don't want to touch this. And Nancy Pelosi has to figure out how to keep everyone unified. And so anything that can kind of skirt past those issues and get them where they need to go you know, in terms of getting down the road, that's that's helpful for them politically. I'm not a political expert, so I don't know whether that's good or bad, but mm -hmm. certainly that is what's, to help you understand, that's what's driving some of this. So, all right, so yeah, that makes a little more sense then, mm -hmm. uh, because if there's a, a contingent of Democrats who don't want to vote for impeachment, uh, and it could be very difficult for them politically, uh, and we do need them to stay in the House, we do need them to be reelected. <laughs> Um, I can see where that can, you know, c create problems uh, for them and for their constituents. Uh, I'm hoping that everybody, when they go home on recess, are they staying or are they going? I can't, I don't know. I think people go home. I mean, they're running for re-election all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm hoping that they are just bombarded with uh, people protesting outside of their offices calling for impeachment, but we'll mm -hmm. see. I mean, again, some of these are really red districts that Trump won by quite a bit. Right. So and, and gerrymandering means that, that the House majority relies a lot on districts like that. Yep. We have to, that's why we have to vote so big. We have to vote a certain percentage more than they do. <laughs> but, yep, number's too big to manipulate, and fortunately, we're better at it. So we'll do that. Um, <laughs> Uh, now I wanted to talk to you a little bit because you and I were having this conversation before we got up here uh, when we were hanging out up there about how upset we were by some of the media reaction to Mueller's testimony. Mm -hmm. So, and you, mm -hmm. it, were you guys pissed about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because it was it was kind of frankly disgusting um, to hear what some of the, and folks that we love, Matto and priests and. Uh, and people on MSNBC and CNN. This isn't. Well, this wasn't Fox News. It, you know, it was all over. And um, talk a little bit. You just put out an art. You just put out a piece. You just wrote an op uh, an op ed. I, I want you to talk a little bit about that. Thanks. Yeah, I wrote a column in Politico. Uh, I have a column there that I write uh, pretty regularly, and it was called um, "Actually, Robert Mueller was awesome." And some of you read it, I think, right? <laughs> Um, got a huge, a huge reaction. I will say I watched the hearings from beginning to end. I was watching them on C-SPAN because I was at work in a kind of a window. Um, and uh, then I rushed because I had to record podcasts and be on radio and do, uh, you know, do other things. And I was shocked 
when I came back to see um, clips of people bashing Robert Mueller, I was shocked to read in the New York Times and Washington Post and elsewhere. I quoted in the first page of my, or the first paragraph of my column, just attacking the man and savaging him for his performance. So I'll just tell you what I saw. And I want to, before I do that, let me just give you a perspective on it that I have that maybe you don't. I was a federal prosecutor for almost a decade, and I handled cases that I thought were high profile. Uh, in other words, they were about one thousandth, one one thousandth this high profile as what Robert <laughs> Mueller did. You know, I would think, hey, wow, we've got, you know, we made Good Morning America one day, or you know, hey, there's, you know, eight journalists in the in the in the gallery. That's a big deal, right? Um, it's not nothing like what Robert Mueller had to go through. But in those cases. I knew that every word I said was going to be picked apart. And at times they were. I had defense attorneys, I remember one time I said that the defendant had lied and actually the defendant caused his subordinate to lie and they made a big deal about it. That sort of fine distinction mattered, right? You saw what Robert Mueller, when he was up there, how much they were trying to pick apart his words, how they were trying to catch him in some sort of gotcha game, right? And in fact, when he said something to Ted Lieu that could be taken two different ways, it started an uproar, right? He actually had a very carefully corrected later that afternoon. And so that man was up there. He had spent so much time, he's told us he, he, he chose his, his words very carefully, and he had to seem above it all, right? He had to seem nonpartisan, not drawn into this, not part of the fray, yeah. and he was trying to be careful, thoughtful. He wanted to look at his report, so he made sure he didn't misstate a single word in it. And they used that to suggest he couldn't read, he didn't know what was in the report. It was total BS, and part of the reason Part of the reason they did that is you had a lot of people on television, frankly, didn't understand half of the, the moves that Robert Mueller was making, and they needed to have a quick reaction. Mm -hmm. And so when he's, for example, there were moments up there. There was a moment, for example, when he, he was asked, was Bill Barr's letter accurate? And he paused, and he looked, and he declined to answer. And that was because if he answered that it, the truth, that it was technically accurate, it would have given everyone the impression that Bill Barr was telling the truth, when in fact the letter, while technically accurate, was highly misleading. And so he was doing moves like that all day long, mm -hmm. and people on television were judging him based, frankly, on how quickly he reacted or how he looked on camera, which is not how history is going to be judging right. that man. That is such a good point because you have to figure, and I know Jordan, well, you were talking about this too when we were first watching the um, uh, the, the hearings, like the 80 steps he takes in his head before he says right. something. And, and I, like I think people mistook that for a blank stare or. Yeah, they think he's like thinking about ice cream or something. <laughs> it's like, no no question. I, you know what I. No, I'm thinking about ice cream. The analogy <laughs> I use for everyone is running out the clock. If you ever watch a football game or a basketball game where they're running out the mm -hmm. clock, that's what Robert Mueller was doing because he just was playing to not lose. He didn't have anything to win there. Mm -hmm. He didn't even want to be there. He was playing to be very careful and not screw up, and, and he accomplished that. Mm hmm. Well, I think we're all in agreement. <laughs> Mueller was yeah. awesome. With the, the irony, yes. 
The irony is that that takes like an incredible amount of mental prowess, and people are thinking that he's slow and old. That it's just yeah, it's egregiously we have a reality TV star oh. for a president. I think it's like yeah. Yeah. I yeah. will tell you, it, it, it's also there's a little bias there, right? Because Donald Trump often appears slow, like he has some sort of dementia or isn't <laughs> on top of the facts, and he's not called out in the same way. We've gotten used to it. I was on Dan Abrams' radio show yesterday, and he was one of the people on TV um, who was bashing Mueller, and he brought me on because he read my column, and we had it out on it, and he's like, look, I, wa I covered Mueller six years ago, and he was so much sharper. And I told him, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I didn't, because I was in government. I wasn't sitting there watching every hearing that Mueller had. Um, but I will tell you, maybe like M Michael Jordan is last year with the Bulls. You know, he was 35. He wasn't jumping as high as he used to. He wasn't the same guy he used to. But he was the best guy in the court, and he won mm -hmm. the championship. And that's what I saw what Robert Mueller was, as somebody who was watching hours of him for the first time, because I didn't sit there and watch all of his testimony. I saw an extraordinarily intelligent lawyer who was playing – a game that no one else was there was playing. Mm -hmm. He did not want to spell out why he said this do not exonerate stuff. He did not want to spell out why he decided not to tell us what his conclusion was as charging Trump. And no one could get him to do it because they didn't understand how to ask the right questions to force him into a corner. And he was able to skirt through that whole thing, having a fairly nuanced thing that he said that no one ever really challenged him on. Yeah, and somebody actually brought up to me, uh, if you think that Mueller, if, if anyone, if you see somebody on social media or somebody asks you that, or tells you that they think Mueller did, didn't do a good job or it fell flat or it bombed or whatever, ask them to tell you any single one person who got one over on him. <laughs> you can't think of one. Yeah. And that's hard to pull off when you're testifying to Congress, uh, I, I imagine. I've never done it myself. I wouldn't look forward to it. And if Robert Mueller makes sneakers, I would wear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I imagine we talk about this. I think it's in higher loyalty that he's saying to Comey, just if you have mm. to go in front of Congress, it's just like get in, get out. Mm -hmm. Because he knows how hard it is to do it right. It's like exhausting, I imagine. It's fucking yeah. seven hours of just deflecting like everything, trying, like you said, that's, that's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. He, yeah, I think he compared it to nuclear fallout. He's like, you know, what was it? Avoid. Yeah, it's like radiation. Avoid just exposure get out alive. and get out alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was, it's it's so hard. I, as you know, I'm on CNN. I used to be on other networks. Mm -hmm. Being being active for five, ten, fifteen minutes and constantly answering questions, uh, knowing that everyone is looking at me. Right, there's a million people looking at me. That's not an easy thing to do. It seems easy. It's not. And when I prepare witnesses to testify, which I do all the time. Um, I have to keep, what I have to teach them is how to keep their mind active with all the time. We're not like that. I don't actively think every time I'm using a word here on this podcast, we don't do that when we're chatting with our friends, to keep your mind active and focused for whatever, six or seven hours straight. You are absolutely right. It is very, very challenging to do, especially at that level when you're going up against all these people who want to use you. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, Democrats wanted to use him, too, as a prop. They wanted him to repeat things that they could use as a soundbite in an, in an ad or in a, in a web video. And do you notice he never would repeat their words? He, when one, one, there was one a congresswoman who said, well, will you, when you say here that there's something outside the criminal justice process that could be used to deal with the sitting president, were you referring to impeachment? Well, obviously he was, but he, <laughs> he would not comment because he felt like if he did, that would be a web ad. 
And mm-hmm. even so, even to go as far as when she, I think it was Val Demings, uh, was like, well, impeachment is this, and this is one of our processes. Because he, s- he said processes. There's processes, plural, outside of uh, criminal that you d- uh, investigation. And she said impeachment, and then she then asked him to list those processes, and he went, you just said one. <laughs> 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 Exactly right. Exactly like, right. I'm not going to say impeachment, motherfuckers. Like, he <laughs> wasn't going to do it, and he didn't, and they yeah. couldn't make him, and, and yet we still get these criticisms. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. I was really hoping he would, I'm not going to lie, but you make a great point from a prosecutor's perspective. Like, that's the best way to go, but as a regular person, I was just like, yes, the soundbite. People need it because they're their attention spans are so short, right. but I get it. It's like that's you like know. what got us into this mess, though, right? Is like soundbite culture and people not yeah. thinking and listening. So, yeah. yeah. He, he, you know, people asked a lot who won, who lost, right? That's what I was getting asked a lot by journalists, and it's the wrong way to think about yeah. it. I mean, I wrote in my piece. I thought Robert Mueller won, and I think the reason he won is he was able to stay outside the political fray. If right. if he was seen as a tool of the Democrats he lost from the perspective of history and everything he was trying to accomplish. And if he also seemed like he was going back and forth with Republicans to defend himself, that also would have diminished the man. He seemed above their attacks, and that's where he needed to be. Yeah, yep, I yeah. agree. When I was watching that, I was just thought, you know, seeing both sides, how they just wanted, like, like you said, they just wanted sound bites. I just thought truth shouldn't be political. We shouldn't mm-hmm. make, they, you know, either side, they shouldn't make it political. Like, just accept truth as truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just well said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, Thank you. The, the one moment that, one of the moments, when he, he had moments where he was able to speak in a nonpartisan way, mm-hmm. he started talking more freely. I right. mean, when he talked about, to go to your point, when he was talking about, for example, why are the Russians attacking right. our elections going forward, he, he spoke he did, at yeah, length about absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. So I think you're right. I think it was just he didn't want to be partisan, not that mm-hmm. he didn't want to say anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and there's really shouldn't be anything partisan about Russians attacking our election. I uh, agree. Because you yeah. can look at... Yeah. You can look at the whole report, and if you you could even, if, uh, to play devil's advocate, consider that the Trump campaign was just an unwitting, unknowing, attacked group of people. And, yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Aww. If I you make it. one, I'll totally wear it. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? It's uh, <laughs> a great idea. But though. Y- your point is that that the, the tax on our elections shouldn't be a political issue. Oh, right. And so even if you assume, even if you say Trump's innocent, and if you say he didn't do anything wrong, he was attacked on all sides by the Russians coming at him, and he didn't fall for it, and he was a strong, bulletproof hero or whatever the fuck, the yeah. Russians still attacked the election. You know what I mean? They still tried at every turn. He was totally in on it, but <laughs> they, they tried at every turn, and that should worry the shit out of everybody. And, it's, and that is why I think he was so animated on, on volume one. He was really into I'm a volume two person, but he was it really. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, was it you? Yeah, he was, he Kevin, was saying, like, yeah. In a, Kevin's back. <laughs> uh, the, like, you know how the sorting hat will put you into one of the four houses? So people are either volume one people or volume two people. <laughs> I'm a, it's from Trumpcast. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a volume two person, but 
I'm also, well, as a lawyer, I'm a volume two person because that's where all the legal action is. But I will mm-hmm. just say. But Mueller is a volume one person. I that's think. what people said that. And I'm going to say, you know, what I, th- why I, what I saw was different. And what I saw was he was free to talk on volume one because there's no political consequence. That's a very one. good point. On volume two, he had to be very careful because he was going to be It's all politics. Used. Correct. And he was mm-hmm. guilty. <laughs> certainly Mueller thought so. I mean, well, here's the thing. No one reading the volume two of the report doesn't believe that Mueller had the evidence to, you know, everyone knows that Mueller had the evidence to charge Trump. Every Republican who read it knew that, too. He was able to get through the whole hearing without seeming like he was saying that. And so Republicans who watched it could just, they, they, they tried to say he was a doddering guy. It was partly because they had some BS argument that his uh, subordinates were really driving the ship or something like that, that yeah. I saw Newt Gingrich on there, so it was sh- a shameful argument. But um, they weren't able to say that he came out and said, you know, impeach Trump or anything like that. Right, and volume one is decided, right? He he said we did not have sufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy, even though here's 100, 200 pages of collusion, but um, <laughs> that's not a term of art in law or <laughs> what, however he worded it. Um, but volume one's decided, right? And right. so it's easier to speak freely about where, uh, where volume two it's not that baton has been passed to Congress for mm-hmm. not impeachment, uh, and so you know that's it's kind of undecided, up in the air, and highly political. And I just wanted to, you wanted to stay clear of that. Well, also, I guess, and you know, now I think about it, I, this is something I should have mentioned in my column too. Is you know, uh, he, he made very clear that the president could be indicted after leaving office, right? So, and when when you are a criminal, thank defendant, you, Ken Buck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but when you're a criminal defendant, it made me happy. I wrote a column pre previously about how Trump could get indicted after leaving office. So I was happy to hear the comment just because it, it showed that I was right, I think, about that. But um, I will say this. Well, I got a lot of heat. You have no idea how many nasty. Yeah, I felt nasty good about that, <laughs> about that whole report when yeah, it came yeah, out. Yeah, nasty we, we emails. Like, Look, we were right. That. Yeah, but I will just say, I would just say that if you, a criminal defendant, could potentially use against as a defense in a criminal case that the jury pool had been tainted by these untoward comments that are made by the prosecutor prejudging the case. So he had to be very careful in volume two. Doesn't want to blow that future once Trump is out of office prosecution. Because he could, right? Potentially. His job is not to screw things up, and that's what he did. Don't taint the jury. Taint is my favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I ask a quick question? We've had this answered by multiple people but i'd love to know definitively the the tolling that would happen mm-hmm. right on the yep. statute of limitations what is because Mueller was like i don't know what he what he you was, know right so as a, one of the more interesting that was one of the most interesting questions and um in fact i was going back and forth uh, with congressman quigley and his staff about it afterwards it was a was one it quigley that asked that one? Yeah, yeah he's my con- our, my congressman a lot of people's congressman here Thanks. right um so, um, and a great question. And I, here's what I would just say on that. Mul- both, but Mueller gave two different answers at two different points, and they were both actually technically correct, okay? So just so we, everyone knows what it is, maybe all of the people who listen to the podcast already know, but tolling's like pausing. So if there's a statute of limitations for five years after a crime, if you, what essentially the argument is, is that since he can't be indicted while he's president, it would be paused during the, the, the presidency. Neil Contiel came on my podcast uh, on topic uh, many months ago and made that argument.
argument. The problem for Neil and anyone who wants to advocate that is that no court has ever considered that mm -hmm. because uh, it's never come up. Mm -hmm. So his first answer, Mueller's first answer is like, I don't know. And that that's a good answer. It would have been mine. Um, and then he, there was some back and forth with Quigley. And then where Mueller ended up was, no, essentially, that can't be right. And I and I also think that's correct. And here's what I mean by that. Most likely, if a court considers this, I think a court's going to come out no on tolling, although I respect Neil and he certainly knows a lot about constitutional law that I don't. But I just I understand the logic of it. But from the perspective of a potential criminal defendant, if I represented Trump, for example, which obviously I don't, but if I did, I would argue in that future world. You don't want to take that case? I'm not taking that case. <laughs> I already picked up one potential client money. today in the <laughs> Mueller She Wrote podcast. Yeah, it was um, totally yeah. losing to the NFL when money. they sued. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. This, uh, we're in trouble on the copyright suit. Um, but uh, uh, in any event, uh, in any event, if I represented Trump, what I'd say is, look, nowhere in writing does it say that this is getting told. No court has ever decided this in advance. And so Trump, when he's considering his potential obstructive activity, did not know or had no reason to know or be put on notice that potentially this could he could get charged 10 mm -hmm. years later or something like and that. And do you think the reason it wouldn't apply is because the OLC opinion isn't foundational enough to be the basis of an argument for why that wouldn't? It's a great question. Yeah. I, I think what what's driving it for me is even if it was, let's just say that there's some statute out there that said you can't charge the president while in office. Then essentially there's still this like infer inference that you're there's like some logic to it. Well, because you can't charge him in this time period, that must mean it's told. I think a court could come out that way and I could see the logic of that. And I think that it does go to the principle of no one being above the law. I just think there's a very big, uh, if I was going to be a betting person on it, I would bet that a court would be more cautious about it because a criminal defendant in our, in the constitution under due process is supposed to have notice of the crime and all sort of what, whether their activity could be prosecuted. Mm. Yeah. Nobody wants to be first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And you've noticed Mueller, that Mueller had that in his volume, uh, Trump volume one a couple first. times, too, <laughs> yeah, about how this hasn't that. been tested in the courts <laughs> and so because of this and that. And well, yeah. just to go to, I mean, I, I, you know, you, you all mentioned the Donald Trump Jr. thing, for example, right? The campaign finance thing. And that drives that. I mean, just so to give some context to that for everybody, campaign finance cases are rarely charged criminally. Yeah, and that, I think that's what, what he was talking about, too, is when he was talking about trying to put a value, place a value on oppo research from a foreign government, and he cited cases that were kind of like it, but there's never been anything where he would, so he wouldn't be able to establish value for this because it's never been established in the court, right? Right, well, uh, here, here, there's a bigger problem with it. I mean, first of all, you can have value for things that are intangible. A famous case everyone in Chicago knows, the Rob Bogoyevich case, involves selling, a, selling se a Senate seat, and I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office at the time when we prosecuted that case, and the argument was that the Senate seat could be valued, even though it's sort of an ephemeral thing. It's not like there's a market it's for a Chair, the chair has value itself. Right? Everything, there you go. Everything's got value. But um, <laughs> physical here, seat, he sold the seat. But could you imagine? But here, there was never anything real that was being offered that we know about. In other words, we don't know what the head, the lawyer, our Russian lawyer, the Russian crown prosecutor was ever, whatever it was, was offering. We don't know what that is. And you can imagine a defense attorney for Trump Jr. being able to say, they're literally saying he received, he was trying to get a thing of value, but we don't even know what it is. It was all a ruse. And the Russian person would probably get up there and testify it was all a ruse or some BS. 
and then you know then he he potentially couldn't get a conviction so huge risk i think in bringing that prosecution Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. like if it were a Craigslist post, it, it'd be pretty vague, right? <laughs> 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 Hillary dirt, <laughs> no value. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Just pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Free. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> name your price. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Um <laughs> I just have Sad. I have a lot of old weird Craigslist stories that are in <laughs> <laughs> So you don't know why I'm going but uh, trust me. Hey guys, it's AG from Muller She Wrote, and I'm here to tell you not all heroes wear capes. Many of them wear scrubs, and we can all agree that our doctors and nurses, nurse practitioners and clinical professionals and PAs and PTAs, they're all just amazing people, and they dedicate their lives to helping others and to being of service to others. And what they wear should be more than just a uniform. Their scrubs should help them feel good and look good and function properly so they can perform at their best. And for years, medical professionals have been wearing the same scratchy, baggy scrubs like since the 50s with no innovative technical properties to protect and hold the life-saving tools that our providers need to take care of us. And every set of FIGS scrubs is antimicrobial. They're incredibly soft, they're moisture-wicking, and they're made of four-way stretchy fabric. And here's the best part, you guys. This is the goodwill. This is the part that I love. Every time you shop at FIGS, they give scrubs to healthcare providers in need all around the world. And to date, they've donated thousands of sets of scrubs to providers in over 35 countries. FIGS makes a great gift for the lifesaver in your life. I think we pretty much all know somebody who works in the medical field. Uh, I personally uh, got a uh, one, of, one of their uh, jackets, and it's got the pen pocket on the arm, so I can keep my pens right there within uh, easy and fast reach. And double pockets, like side pockets and front pockets, so that I can keep my notepad and all my instruments and everything that I'm trying to, you know, do at that particular time, like right near me. And it's, it, I, I absolutely love it. And it's breathable and it's so soft. They're really, this, and it's good looking too. I actually was at the dog park and there was this woman, she was wearing, and I could tell they were fig scrubs. I was like, are those fig scrubs? She's like, oh my gosh, yes. These are my favorite scrubs. They are absolutely awesome. They keep the moisture away from me. They're antimicrobial. She's, and she just couldn't say enough good things about them. So whether you're one of the awesome humans that works in healthcare or someone that wants to say thanks to those deserving folks, Figs is going to make that easy by providing you with 15% off your first purchase by using my code AG. So get ready to love your scrubs. Head to wearfigs.com, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com and enter our code AG at checkout. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we have time right now to take about four or five questions from you guys. So if you, uh, if there are four or five of you who want to come up, line up at this microphone. Anybody want to come up and ask a question? Yeah. And we are only going to have time. So once we get to a, a line of five people, we're going to have to <laughs> don't get in it. <laughs> <laughs> are we anybody else? We got four. Everyone, put your hands together for Jason. Hey Thanks, Jason. You're welcome. Hi. <laughs> um, hi. So first, first thing I want to say is, um, as a non-binary listener, I want to thank you guys. Over the last year, you've been much better about, or excellent about trans and non-binary representation. So thank you for that. Thank Thanks. you. And if, and if we ever miss anything, feel free to let us know. Um, so my question is, the OLC memo is a memo, and you guys were just talking about a lot of aspects of it, but if it were ever to take a legal challenge, what might that look like? Great question, and here's how I think it would happen. 
It would happen if a state or local prosecutor decided to prosecute the President of the United States. So you're never going to get a federal prosecution Tish unless James, that. Tish James. Tish James. <laughs> That's possible. The other possibility is, let's just say a Democrat was elected and their administration decided to change that memo. Now, of course, that's a memo that also in the Clinton administration, Democrats also had. But there you could imagine. It's a nice memo to have around if you're the president. Yeah, in that circumstance, you could, if, if, a, if, a DOJ, if the DOJ was going to prosecute the Democratic president in the next administration, then that would be the other way it would come up. Sure. Thank All right. you. Thank you for your question. Hi. Hi there. Hey, what's up, Akron? Thank you, thank you, hello, hello. <laughs> so, uh, Sympathy coming your thank way. Thank you, thank <laughs> you so much. Um, so we're out here, we mobilize, we knock on doors, we get a Democratic president. How do we impeach a Supreme Court justice? Ooh. Wow. Get out of here. So oh. the process is exactly the or same. Or five. <laughs> <laughs> the process is exactly the same as impeaching a president. In fact, and judges have been impeached during our, all of our lifetimes. I mean, there was some pretty egregious misconduct where judges have been removed. Um, it's just very hard to do, right? Because as we've discovered, uh, 67 votes is not an easy thing to get uh, in, in this day and age. So that's the issue. Can I have a little follow-up question? Yes, you may. Um, so recently in the Supreme Court, what um, rulings do you think have the biggest impact on us today? Wow, that's awesome. I will tell you, in my opinion, uh, a, a decision that we aren't talking about I enough is the gerrymandering, political gerrymandering yep. decision. Um, it's a that nightmare. It's a nightmare. It, 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 it is. It's, it's skewing our democracy and turning it into something other than a true representative democracy. And I would also just say um, that the root cause of the campaign finance problems we have, and I'm talking about structural things because mm -hmm. that to me drives all the other stuff, money in politics and skewing our democracy. Um, but there's something called Buckley versus Vallejo from the 70s, but that says that essentially you can spend an unlimited amount of money um, on a president, uh, your, your own race. And all the rest of this flows from that because Citizens United was essentially an outside group spending an unlimited amount of money to influence a race. And as long as that holds true in this country and that is the law of the land, you're never going to be able to really get money out of elections. And that was Buckley versus who? Vallejo. V-A-L-E-O. All right. Thank you very thank much. You. <laughs> you guys have the best questions. Hi. I was mulling two separate quick questions, but the uh. important one, um, how hopeful are you now with um, protests breaking out in Moscow? I think mm -hmm. the opposition leader mm -hmm. is Navalny. How hopeful are you that despite the oppression of them and the violence that like the people in Russia might actually be able to topple Putin? Like how likely is that? I don't know, man. They are so steeped in corruption yeah. and ballot box stuffing. And I mean, what did he win by? Like 90% or something <laughs> like with a 90% yeah. vote. And there's no way he got that. I mean, it just seems so corrupt that I, it would take, uh, I, I honestly don't know. I just, I'm so sad for the people of Russia. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. to say what it would take on the mic because <laughs> I'm afraid of what he would do. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it takes some crazy shit but them yeah being in the streets just like puerto rico it, like i believe yeah. in that process but he is the most corrupt of all of them right but if it I had seems to say like the russian people have more balls than us just to be honest mm. I they're up against a lot more sorry Joy, go ahead. no that's no, okay um i i also heard during the reporting of what's been going on recently uh, they're they're framing it essentially as like this is just kind of something that their people do every once in a while essentially because he's been empowered forever right 
So like balls of resistance will come up and then whether or not it's it's waiting them out or arresting all of them or something, this isn't the first time that this has happened. So unfortunately, I think it's it's just like another iteration of a cycle of the only resistance their people can conceivably participate in and I, I don't I don't know enough. I have I have a couple friends that grew up in Russia and honestly they're such like diehard Putin fans and it makes no sense to me because they're very liberal in the states. So I don't know like what kind of nationalism is embedded in t- into just the households in Russia that prevents something actually huge from occurring. I I have no idea is my answer, I guess. <laughs> I think all these pockets of of protests that we're seeing is so I don't know I feel maybe I'm just before I wasn't very politically aware but I now you know I'm like reading more and stuff um, and in Hong Kong Puerto Rico mm-hmm. like Russia here like where ev- pe- the people are rising and I love that to see that and I think even if they are downplaying it like it's happening and you know they can't I can't erase that. And it seems all in response to this alt-right fascism right. uh, yeah. tyranny, this that the d- this death rattle of nationalism, I think, that's, that's mm-hmm. happening uh, in the world. I compare it to my menopause. <laughs> 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 Shit's just out of control. Everything's weird. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm protesting. So... No, but it, you know, I I am I am more I I don't I honestly don't know, but I think it's it would take like Puerto Rico level mm-hmm. uh, um, protests and yeah. uh, something like that. I mean, that was pretty much the entire island was just out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But they don't have the coordination of government or the level of resources that Russia does, so mm-hmm. it's entirely different, which yeah. is what fucking sucks. Yep. But. What was your follow-up question? Um, okay, really quickly. What is your super space beans take on what Nadler said regarding there might have something out crimes outside of the four corners of the report, maybe with a grand jury material? What do you think it might be extra dirt or criming that he did that they could uncover? Now, was he specifically referring to Trump when he said that? I think he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I would just say that partly that is to justify why they need the grand jury materials to the court, <laughs> rather than I think him necessarily having something in mind because he doesn't know exactly what's in the materials. Or to justify the fact that they're, they're not only going for impeachment, maybe. Well, yeah. I think that I think that, I think what he's trying to say, because a lot of a lot, a lot. The answer that a lot of people are throwing back at him, and I think there'll be some argument about this in court, is you already have the report. What more do you need? Mm-hmm. And they ask for just so everyone knows what they're asking for. They ask for the underlying interview notes and transcripts and documents that are obtained via grand jury subpoena. And yeah, I think part of his answer is we may uncover more there that isn't in the report. I will just tell you, don't get because uh, I want to make sure everyone's. Uh, we're all being honest with ourselves here. Don't get your hopes up for that. I don't think Robert Mueller was sitting on all sorts of other stuff, but I think it's a smart argument. Unless for it's to make. the finances, the red line, the stuff he didn't look into. or Yeah, I, one thing I will just say, I don't know if everyone picked up on this, is I think it was actually Raja Krishnamurthy who asked him about whether or not he was investigating money laundering yeah. uh, and uh, by Trump's businesses, and Mueller said no. And then I think he asked if he ever asked to expand his authority, and Mueller refused to answer that question. So interesting. We should have like a fantasy scandal, though. Like, which one would you wish it could be? Because I'm thinking the apprentice tapes, like the in roll, all the. That's what we call the N word tapes. Yeah. Like basically, yeah. Just what would be the craziest thing to come up? Like I don't know what would, you know, take them down, but everyone thinks the PP tape is out there. Yeah. <laughs>
But is that criminal? Maybe, depending on who's in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, yeah, but okay. That's just a follow-up question that I gave to you. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, another note. Uh, so, A, I want to thank you guys for the incredible combination of justice and kindness that you bring to us. Yay. It's really a salve in these times. And I have a question which is kind of justice porny. Uh, what would you have asked Robert Mueller? <laughs> wow. Bam, bam. All right, this is, uh, we'll see you. <laughs> hey, baby. All right. Well, if you want to get really nerdy about it, here's, it, it, I guess, if I had 10 minutes to, or five minutes to question Robert Mueller, I would have asked a series of questions to pin down why he thought that he could not um, uh, conclude that Trump committed, or conclude that a that sitting president committed a crime, and why he chose this wonky language, essentially, instead of just saying, you could imagine him just saying, well, th the fact that I'm not drawing a conclusion doesn't mean he's innocent, or doesn't mean anything one way or the other, whether he's innocent or guilty. He does this whole, like, it, just, it does not exonerate him, but if I could exonerate him, I would have done it. We would so stay. Right, yeah. it's, it's very bizarre, right? And, there and then it's I think he goes off on to talk about how the reason is because, of the, because he can't indict him he doesn't have a way to defend himself against an accusation of committing a crime right. uh, in a court of law. And so that was his that was his decision. That wasn't in the memo, is that right? Yeah, it, it was Robert Mueller's, exactly. That was Robert Mueller's unprecedented way of dealing with this that was his way of bending over backwards to be fair to Trump because he, he was somebody accused of a, uh, could be, a, if he had concluded that, accused of a crime without a way of going to court, as you said, A.G. But first could of all, I think- also be not to Taint a, a potential future taint jury. <laughs> I think it's more that he really thought that he wanted to be as fair as possible, and I also thought he was trying to have a bipartisan way of hand or a, a nonpartisan way of handling that tricky situation. But I think, first of all, the American people deserve to have that all splayed out. But I also think there are some choices and nuances that are there that he chose, and it's not clear to me why he chose to go one direction versus another. And I would be interested in finding those out. And I think there were the, the problem was the Republicans knew that his ultimately, if you, go, if you got more detail there, it might be bad for Trump. So they did this BS about exoneration, but it really, they were very light about it. And then when he's he said, well, this is a special case of a president, they immediately cut him off, reclaim their time, whatever. And the Democrats didn't want to go anywhere near that because their job was to sort of you know run through the report or whatever. Right. right. I, that's why I'm sorry. Can I answer? I I just think with all that in mind, like my question would be like, as a private citizen, knowing all he knows, would he recommend impeachment? Would he want impeachment to happen as an American citizen? Because then maybe he just cut through all of that and be like, hell yes, <laughs> like <laughs> of course. But he can't say that in his formal position, right? I, I take the question. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I wonder what he tells his wife at night. You know, like it's just interesting. I take the question. <laughs> that was pretty badass. Thank you. Thank like you. Yes. It, it appears. It, it, she's asking if SDNY is done, yeah, if you so can't hear her. That appears to be done, and I, I noted it's it's unusual that it seems like it dropped off when when Barr came in, and we won't know. We may never. We may not know for some time. <laughs> we had Asha Rangappa up on stage of Philly, and I was like, what's up with that? Like, isn't it weird that Barr came in, and then all of a sudden the, the thing, and she goes, yeah, and the FBI, we call that a clue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's funny. Hi. 
Um, I don't have a question. I just want Jalisa to come over here with her hat because I have some things to put in it. Oh. Hey. Wow. Hey. Say no more. Yes, yes, yes. Go, go. <laughs> Renato, look away. (laughs) (laughs) If Chalisa needs a lawyer, I'm available. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm very excited. All right, so now it's time for my favorite part of the show. <laughs> I need right about here, three people in. Not two people in. You guys. So you two, 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 and all you guys over here. You're one group. And then we'll do the four, you guys, the four in the middle here, okay? And then the two oh, on yeah. the end here and all you guys, okay? So now group one, your note is fucked. <laughs> Let's hear it. Fucked. Fucked. Fuck, 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 Sounds good. All right, you guys ready? Uh, can we get the balcony for the fucked? Oh. <laughs> yes. That is a brilliant idea, Jaleesa. So I'm going to give you that and you do the like at that. at the good? end, a nice yeah, yeah. quick. Mm. Mm, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's hear it once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Now, who do you want to do? Who do you want to do it to? <laughs> you want Epstein? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't care how he pronounces it. <laughs> it's Epstein in German. It is technically Mueller in uh, in German too, but hey, whatever. Bob, we'll just call him Bob. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. All right, I think Jeffrey Epstein is fucked, 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 fucked. You guys, that was so brilliant. Uh, I have been your host, AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. Thank you, Sarah Hirschberg of Valencia. Thank you, Renato Mariotti. This is Muller She Wrote. (laughs) Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com.
Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Tees, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said... Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com.
There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.